Welcome back, everyone, to the Cyclone Scoop podcast. We're going to be starting these a little more often as we get further into basketball season. Obviously, it's Cyhawk week for women's basketball, men's basketball here in Iowa. And I'm happy to be joined by my friend and colleague, Sean Bach. Sean, thank you for the time, man. How are you doing in this busy time? Doing good, Nick. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely ramped up in the last week or so, or even the past couple of days. Obviously, it's always a pretty busy time with early signing day, but with both of the respective basketball teams that we cover, that's kind of ramped up the coverage a little bit. And then obviously the transfer portal. And I know you guys have had some of our Iowa State's had some coaching changes as well. And you'll we'll see if that happens with Iowa. But yeah, I mean, it just never it never sleeps. I feel like there's like 10 or 11 months a year where it's just on nonstop and there's just random weeks here and there that are uh that are, you know, kind of lull periods, but now it's just full throttle. And, you know, it's not the worst thing, but, I mean, it's it gets busy, that's for sure. Absolutely. I, I said to some friends on another show, you know, not much time to just kind of chill and relax, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. So we are, you know, recording this ahead of Iowa's matchup against Duke. Uh, so the results will probably be out there by the time people listen. But that withstanding, the Hawkeyes go into Thursday 6-1 and one outside of the Duke game. Really the only loss to a Big 12 team, TCU. How would you kind of, you know, maybe not rate, but kind of analyze the season so far uh, regarding some of your expectations? I know that you guys kind of do some predictions and things before the year. And I would say even though both teams aren't necessarily in that top 25 uh, with where Iowa is, it's going to be a really fun contest come Thursday. Yeah, definitely. And I think this is one of those matchups, too, where it's almost similar to last year with Iowa-Iowa State. I mean, I'll dive into Iowa first. Um, that 6-1 and one record, I mean, the win over Seton Hall on the road. I know Seton Hall has not been overly impressive this year. They've lost three straight, granted, to two you know solid teams in Oklahoma and Kansas. And then a decent mid-major team in Siena, but still three losses, and they've kind of really lost their way in the last couple, um, you know, weeks. But outside of that, I mean, the win over Clemson, while obviously it was on paper not the best win, I think Iowa was up by 12 or 14 points at one point in the second half. Clemson ended up clawing their way back and uh, making it a really close game. And Iowa had to get, you know, a couple buckets down the stretch to get the victory. It definitely kind of exposed Iowa's weaknesses a little bit. And that's dealing with physicality. That's dealing with toughness. And that's dealing with scoring the basketball when Chris Murray is not on. And I've said it all along, and it's really been magnified the last couple games, is this team is a much better team, obviously, when Chris Murray is scoring the basketball. But it's the three Ps, Peyton Sanford, Patrick McCaffrey, Tony Perkins. I know Tony Perkins' his last name is P. Um, but still, those three guys are the key for this Iowa team. And Phil Bracha. He's more of an undersized big man at the five, but his aggressiveness and his, you know, just ability to battle down low has been a really positive, really positive, you know, plus for Iowa this year. But Chris Murray, when he is dealt with physicality, much like Keegan was last year against Iowa State, if Cyclone fans remember that, Iowa State really bothered Keegan with their size and length and physicality. That's kind of the same issue that Chris has dealt with. And some of the really big-time stats that pop out to me about this Iowa team, for the first seven games, 
is, you know, in a positive way, they don't turn over the basketball much. They're one of the most efficient offenses in the country per Kempom. Number one in turnover percentage, they're a pretty good offensive rebounding team. But some of the numbers that really stick out in a negative way, three-point shooting, defensive rebounding, they're 266 in the country in defensive rebounding. So opponents are doing a really good job of attacking the offensive glass on them. And also free throw shooting was a struggle against Georgia Tech. I think Iowa was like 18 for 31 from the free throw line. And Iowa should have won that game by probably 20, 25 points. And, but Georgia Tech was able to hang around because Iowa could not make free throws. So it's an experienced team. Like they have experience on this team, but it's new guys stepping up in new roles. And I think that's why it's taken them, you know, there's been some bumps. I mean, TCU granted has been underwhelming to start the year in certain ways. I mean, they're, They've been depleted with injuries, and obviously the suspension to Damon Baugh wasn't very good for them, but they still found a way to really beat up Iowa and be physical with Iowa, and that's why this upcoming stretch with Duke, Iowa State, and Wisconsin are really important. Duke is not necessarily a physical team, but they're a talented team with Lane. Iowa State, Wisconsin are two pretty physical teams. Now, Wisconsin's offense is kind of their typical Wisconsin team where not overly productive on the offensive end, but well, on the defensive side of the floor, they play hard, they're physical, and that's really an area where Iowa can struggle, you know, against the Cyclones too. So that, that makes a lot of sense to me, Sean, and I think as we get a little further, I think those notes you said about turnovers, you know, kind of not having a lot for Iowa, that's going to be interesting with the Cyclones because a lot of what they kind of pride themselves on, especially on the defensive end, is forcing turnovers, but I'm going to combine a couple of things here. Obviously, the talk of Iowa coming into the year and so far has been Chris Murray. Where have you seen, other than obviously the opportunity for him, right, with, with Keegan in the league and Bohannon gone, where have you seen the most growth in his game? And going off of what you mentioned about the uh, kind of physicality aspect and when Murray has to go against it, who could you potentially see being that X factor for Iowa that does really step up in a moment like that if Murray's having some trouble going against the physical nature of the Cyclones? Yeah, I think with Murray, he looks more confident when it comes to finding his own looks. I think Keegan was so smooth at getting to the rim and, you know, just kind of gliding to the hoop and gliding around and how he was able to, you know, score more straight line and more attacking on the rim. Well, I think Chris kind of seems to operate out of the post a little bit more and seems to be more, you know, yes, he can operate the post, but yes, he can see a little bit better when it comes to finding guys and, you know, not necessarily looking to score, but I think he can just score in in a couple different ways that maybe Keegan didn't, if that makes sense. Because they're kind of similar with their games. But you have to take into account that Chris is a lefty and Keegan was a righty, mainly a righty. And Chris, I think, with that lefty, can you know do a little diff- couple different things. I think he has a little bit of a softer touch on some of his floaters and some of these shots that he puts up where it might be some runners or you know shots he's kind of fading away around the rim. And I think that's that's something where he may have an edge over Keegan. But I think Keegan was a more, you know, straight line type of guy. Well, 
Chris can be a little more dynamic with some finishes around the rim or, you know, and around the post. So that's kind of how I'd, you know, compare them a little bit. And one guy that I think is really important for this Iowa team, I mentioned Patrick McCaffrey. I think he's up there because he's that versatile scorer that can do a variety, that can score in a variety of ways. But when he's off, he's really not playing at a high level. Like it's, he has a lot of highs and he has a lot of lows. And I think he's at his best when he gets to the rim, when he fully gets to the rim. Yes, he wants to step outside and shoot the three, but he's got to get to the rim all the way. Like when he jump, like he'll, he has some nice touch when he is able to connect on floaters and he, he can make some of those shots, those tougher shots around the rim or when he's attacking, but he's got to get all the way to the rim. I think he's got to use his size a little bit more to get down low and, you know, to get those, get those, get closer to the basket on some of his finishes instead of stopping maybe seven, eight or nine feet outside of the bat or from the basket and settling for some tougher shots when he should be, you know, be fighting all the way to the rim or just dishing it off to someone. So Patrick's definitely key. Tony Perkins is huge. He's been battling the injury bug a little bit, but he's one of Iowa's most important players, had a really good game at Seton Hall and has had a couple other really strong performances too. Peyton Sanford, I think it's critical that he gets going because Iowa needs a consistent outside three-point shooter, and they have not had that this year. And Peyton has kind of got the guy that they're relying on to do that. So like I mentioned before, those three guys are the key. But I think against a team like Iowa State, Phil Verbrach is going to really come in, come into play too because I know that this Iowa State team – will look to attack the offensive glass and look to be physical down low. So having someone like Phillip down low will be really important. But I think truly with this matchup too, I mean, you mentioned it with Iowa State doing a really good job of forcing turnovers, one of the best, you know, in the country, if not the best, the best per Kempom, it's going to come down to guard play. And that's Tony Perkins and Aaron Euless, who Euless was inserted into the starting lineup as kind of more the lead guard. But him and Perkins can really play, you know, coincide with each other, which is really important for this Iowa team. Yeah, I like Perkins a lot, you know, from kind of what I've seen and just looking at some of the highlights that I could and things of that nature. I think you make a really good point, Sean. And I personally think on several levels, this game is going to be kind of strength on strength. I think, like we mentioned, Iowa doesn't turn the ball over a lot. So that may hamper what the Cyclones try to do defensively. I still think they will find some success, especially against some of those guards. I don't think that necessarily, you know, those guards for Iowa are like a, a big maybe advantage over what the Cyclones have. I think Taman Lipsy has impressed a lot of people so far on both ends, especially offensively recently. And then rebounding. I'm glad that you mentioned Rabracha because Iowa State not only kind of has this enormous emphasis on offensive rebounds which should be huge for the Cyclones but they've got some reliable scorers in the post this year that they didn't necessarily have as much last year obviously Oshun Oshuni the big time transfer from St. Bonaventure but Robert Jones you know I had heard a lot of buzz that he was basically one of the hardest workers in the offseason for the entire team has kind of reshaped his body as coach Otzelberger just kind of hit on this week and Sean, he's really legit. Uh, you know, I, I think that a lot of his touch and efficiency and kind of going to multiple different post moves, whether it's just a 
you know, left-handed spin or maybe a little baby hook down low has kind of enhanced this offense for Iowa State. So I'm curious with maybe some of those comparisons that I mentioned, where do you feel that Iowa will attack that Iowa State defense and potentially vice versa for the Cyclones? Yeah, I think they're going to have to take and make the three-point shot. I think that's going to be one of the big things where they have to, you know, do. They they have to hit the outside shot. And luckily for Iowa, they're playing at Carver Hawkeye Arena. And while Iowa hasn't shot, hasn't been overly, you know, great from three this year, I mean, playing on your home court definitely gives you a little bit of an edge there. And that's going to be that's going to be a key part of it. Um, and Iowa is a much better team, too when they're shooting the three, because they don't really have the guy. I mean, they have Chris Murray, but I don't think they have the real perimeter or the interior scoring to, you know, not have spacing on the floor, if that makes sense. Like in past Iowa teams, granted they had Luka Garza, but even before they had Luka Garza, you know, and as reliable as he was, Iowa could really – space the floor because they had guys that could really knock down a three-point shot whenever they whenever it needed to or was at least reliable this year they haven't really had that and some teams have been able to really pack it inside and force Iowa to get more buckets on the inside and if Iowa is hitting the three that is a much they are a much different team and they are a much more you know tougher team to beat um and if I'm Iowa State one of the things I do is I look to get the ball inside and I also force Iowa to guard on the perimeter because Iowa is not, yes, they're a better defensive team this year, but if you're hit, if you're, you know, getting, if you're getting looks from three and you're shooting the three ball, well, I know Iowa state's very limited when it comes to offense this year, or at least, you know, with some of the scores that they have and, you know, how they can kind of score. If you can hit a couple of shots, you know, force Iowa to guard on the perimeter, then that's one area where you can have, you know, some difference. I also think it's really important that they get penetration from their guards and, you know, the guards are able to get into the lane and, you know, able to draw attention because that can lead off to certain, you know, dump offs and give other guys like Osin and, you know, a few other guys, um, you know, opportunities around the rim. And that would be really beneficial for the Iowa State team to, you know, have have that mismatch against uh, against Iowa's defense. What are Nick? What are some of the ways you know you've kind of seen Iowa State offensively this year? You know, attack and you know what? What have been the games where they've been most effective? Obviously, that Caleb Grill game against South North Carolina comes to mind because he just went off. But that has that really been the only game where they've had someone who you know could score that consistently from the perimeter? Well, to that extent, absolutely, and I think that's something you kind of maybe live and die with with Caleb Grill. Like his shot looks gorgeous and he clearly has the you know potential to do something like that, even though that Tar Heels team has kind of shown they're not one of the top teams in the country, at least not right now. But I would say early on, I think it was, yeah, right before that, the Villanova game, uh, Gabe Kelsher came back from injury and found some success from long range. Off memory, I believe he was four of seven or four of eight from deep, but definitely shot well. And he he can definitely do that. I think that Jaron Holmes has been, you know, maybe even a little better than expected in terms of creating his own shot. What I like about kind of his offensive game is maybe that pull-up game or some of the floaters that he's done. 
I wouldn't say the team has relied on the three-point shot a ton uh, outside of that North Carolina game. It, they did not shoot it particularly well early in this last week. But the thing about them and, and something that I've kind of taken away similar to last year, but instead of maybe Tyrese Hunter or Isaiah Brockington, they're kind of going into the post, is they, Sean, I think they're just a team that finds a way to simply put the ball in the bucket when they have to. Like, I don't think things looked exceptionally promising for them down seven with under four minutes to play against North Carolina. But Lipsy and Holmes kind of, you know, maybe calmed down a little bit. Grill got hot. And the team just has a real togetherness about them. And they're an experienced team. Like you mentioned, kind of some of Iowa's players, whether it's been at Iowa State or not, I think that they are very experienced at the college game. And they're just not afraid to, yeah, get physical, you know, maybe drive a little more than a lot of teams might usually in kind of this modern era of college basketball. So what I would say to that is they don't necessarily want to rely on it a ton, but I think that in the moments they have had to, they can. I think that Lipsy is getting a little more comfortable showcasing some of his jumper. And Demarion Watson, that's a name I hadn't necessarily mentioned I think that he's got a really high ceiling, but he's already shown whether it's rebounding on the offensive glass or maybe getting a stop on the wing. He's someone that can definitely be a difference maker as, you know, an 18, 19 year old so early in his Cyclones career. So I would say not always, but they still kind of find a way. Gotcha. 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 Yeah, that's uh, this matchup will be interesting. I'm, I've kind of you know, held off on maybe giving a I, – I think Iowa wins by a few points just because I think playing in Carver is going to play a role. But I'm also very interested to see how, you know, this game goes tonight against Duke. I think that might play a role into how this team plays on Thursday. There's just a certain, like – way that this Iowa team goes about things where, you know, once they're playing well, sometimes they drop off. Sometimes when they don't play well, they really pick it up the next game. And it just seemed to be like up and down, depending on who, you know, depending on what, depending on the contest and depending on, you know, who, uh, how, how the team looks the game before. Absolutely, Sean. You know, I haven't necessarily watched a ton like I've seen. I've probably seen, Clips of like three games, so maybe one full game all put together for Iowa. I actually think they maybe match up better against Duke than they do against Iowa State, especially because you mentioned that the defense is a little bit improved for the Hawkeyes team this year. I think that if this Duke game wasn't necessarily a factor tonight, right, going into the week, I'd probably be with you picking Iowa. I, I see Iowa having a good game against Duke potentially, and then I just think that with the rest for the Cyclones, kind of their recipe for victory and the fact that I don't think the physicality kind of bodes super well for Iowa. I, I see the Cyclones winning, you know, kind of a 68, 69 to 64 type game. I think it's going to be probably played in the mid to high 60s. I think it'll be a terrific game. And, you know, I'm really excited to be able to be there and cover it later this week. Yeah, no, definitely. I think I think if Iowa State wants to win this game, it's going to have to be in the sixties. Because if it gets in the if it gets in the seventies, then I think Iowa has a better shot with the way that they can kind of score the basketball. 
a little bit more effectively at, if they're scoring the way that they can. But that's that's an if right now. We'll see. I mean, like I said, TCU, Clemson, physical teams, Iowa has had a tough time with them. And that's kind of what Iowa State prides itself on. I mean, they've Iowa has shown that it can beat physical teams. I mean, Seton Hall has a lot of athletes, but they're kind of still gelling together. I know Iowa State obviously has some new guys coming in, but that's where, like you said, I think the matchup with Iowa State is might be a little tougher for this Iowa team because you're dealing with that physicality and guys that will want to get on the offensive glass will want to try and create turnovers and you know cause a lot of pressure. And you know, you're right. I mean, I think this this matchup is pretty tough for Iowa. I do. I mean, I do. I do really think so. But like I said, I mean, it's just tough to you know get a feel on what this mat on how Iowa can play in this game because I think a lot of it depends on how they play tonight. Like this stretch for this Iowa team is really important because they have Duke tonight, Tuesday, Iowa State Thursday, and then they host Wisconsin. I mean, Wisconsin has probably been like there's always a team in the early part of college basketball season for me, like just a random team that every time I see them turn on TV or like they're a team that I watch like more than anyone else. And that's been Wisconsin this year. And Wisconsin, I mean, is limited in some ways, but they're a tough squad. And this is a really important stretch for Iowa to, you know, get to nine and one or potentially eight and two, because that can kind of set the tone for a little bit. I know last year, um, they had a they had a tough stretch like around this time where they lost Purdue, Illinois, and Iowa State, but then they really started to turn things around. But you just like to get that confidence moving a little bit more heading into a big time play. Absolutely, I think if Iowa was able to win all three of those games, that's that's a legit contender right there. I think they probably drop at least one, uh, but like I said, I could certainly you know see them beating Duke. And as people listen to this, that result will probably already be out there but you know as i'm sure you can see i'm very excited for this upcoming game uh sean it was great to have you we'll have a little more preview materials the rest of the week either with you or your partner david eichholt thank you so much for taking the time my friend i appreciate it and thank you all for listening we will see you next time on the cyclone scoop